Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. All right, and welcome back to Maximize Your Influence. Kurt Mortensen here as we take a deep dive into persuasion, negotiation, influence. Today, getting into that right state. Now, am I talking about you or them? And the answer is yes. We've talked about this before. You have to be in the right state. When you feel influential, you are more influential. But I want to focus more on getting them in the right state, making them easier to influence, persuade, and sell. Things you should have learned in school as we take a deep dive into subconscious triggers. Now, the right state, the right mindset, that could be their surroundings, the color of their clothes, smells, can have a positive or negative reaction. That's one that can instantly create a feeling good or bad. Is your office clean or messy? Do you look like someone they distrust or don't like or that's hurt them? Are you eating good food? <laughs> no secret, good food around a restaurant can make people easier to influence versus are they hungry? We've talked about it. Don't go to a judge who's hungry before lunch because you'll get a harsher sentence. The relationship you have. History, good history, bad history, the mood. And of course, humor. Oxytocin, smiling. Things we're going to talk about, we're going to get into. That's the key. That's what we're going to talk about. Hope everyone's having a great week, achieving their goals. Holiday week for me, not doing much. Doing a little bit here and there. Of course, we're podcasting. Going to get that out to you. Make sure you get the skills, the tools, the techniques you need to take your life and your income to the next level. No secret, everything you want in life is on the other side of persuasion. No secret. When you meet someone, they're like, oh, they're not that sharp, and they got the sale, the close, the negotiation, the promotion. I know it could be frustrating, but let's master these skills. So thanks for reaching out to me at Kurt at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Remember, if we use your email on the show, you get access to InfluenceUniversity.com. In fact, go to InfluenceUniversity.com to get your free Persuasion IQ assessment to the free new edition of Maximum Influence, information about Influence University and anything else we are doing to make sure you can persuade yourself, persuade others, and take your life and your income to the next level. So let's focus on the first one of these, one that's currently not as good as it used to. Isn't that interesting? Technology, things that are happening. What is it? Humor. We're getting to the point where we're afraid to get someone to laugh, to smile. It might be offensive. We might get canceled. It might be taken the wrong way. But I'm telling you now, with the things that are happening with the world and viruses and wars, we need to laugh. We need to smile more than ever before. And if you're the person that can create it, you open the doors to influence. So let's start off with the geeky Scarly article from Stanford University. And doctors, I'll try to give them all credit, Dr. Schifrin, Aker, Bagdanos, Libera, Leonard, Blodgett, and Hornick. Woo, there's a whole batch on here that spent time looking at leading and humor in business. And they said, we have spent decades to figure out that comedy is virtually important. It can change the world. It connects human beings. It's authentic. It gets to the truth. It cuts through the noise. But it has changed a bit. So they're talking about, all right, do we bring this to the workplace? Should we get people to laugh and smile? Is it serious? No laughing or smiling here. This is a place of business. 
And I don't think most people want that. Again, we're just aching for a smile, for a laugh, to feel good. People are just aching for that now more than ever, and we see it less than ever. So let's start with the research. Humor boosts employee well-being, creativity, job satisfaction, work performance. All right, that's as a group. Now, individually, humor, they say mutes or negates or takes away negative emotions and helps us tolerate pain. It buffers us from stress, so it reduces us from stress. With team, humor enhances group communication, effectiveness, and cohesion while reducing group conflict. And within cultures, humor fosters creativity and innovation and helps organizations bounce back from setbacks, employ burnout, stress, and work withdrawal. Oh, geez. Did you get all those? Done and done. Let's go home. Use more humor. Okay. It is the best medicine. And it mentioned other cultures. And as I travel the world, and I've mentioned this before, that we're more alike than different. And one of the things we all have in common is to laugh, to smile, to feel good, to poke at each other, maybe even make fun of each other, whatever we need to do. I know that's probably not correct anymore, but there's just something about laughing together that brings us together, that really enhances our relationship. Then they looked at the research within the organization. It says it raises perceptions of status and improves your chances of getting hired. So they looked at one study where 98% of CEOs prefer job candidates that have a sense of humor, which also includes laughing at yourself. And it's also a big factor for career advancement. And this other study showed that top executives perceived that employees with a sense of humor were better at their jobs than their less humorous counterparts. Even funny bosses get better valuations and increase job satisfaction, which is important because only 30% of employees in the United States feel engaged. And that doesn't change much country to country. And it said that 51% are looking for new jobs or watching job openings. Also, and we've talked about this before, when you get someone to laugh, and be careful here, we'll talk about this, they're either going to laugh with you or feel sorry for you. you got to use humor in the right way. We'll get to that. But when you need someone to laugh, they perceive you with more confidence and competence. You look smarter. And I'm going to add to that too, you do become more trustworthy and more likable. We know that when we laugh, oxytocin, that trust chemical, is released in the body. You do feel better. You do feel happier. And they quoted the famous study by, uh, who was it, O'Quinn and Aronoff a while back? That when they looked at negotiators at the very end, that tense moment, they said, okay, this is my final offer. I'm going to throw in my pet frog. <laughs> okay, something silly, kind of remove the tension. 18% increase in concessions. So done in the right way, absolutely it works. I know we're a little afraid now. What if it offends? What if it hurts? What if I get canceled? We still need to take a look at this. Another interesting one is that people that had a good sense of humor perceive stressful events as a challenge. Let's do this. Those with a lower humor score saw them as a threat. Kind of an optimism, pessimism thing going on there. And of course, humor cultivates connections, can improve relationships, even helping strangers feel closer. Can I laugh with someone at a comedy club or even a movie? There's kind of a connection there, even though you don't really know the person. So that oxytocin that's being released facilitates social bonding, increases trust, generosity. People tend to open up more. They self-disclose. And that's important. That willingness to disclose personal information helps in the persuasion process. So getting that laughter 
More oxygen's coming into your body. It stimulates your hearts, your lungs, your muscles. It increases endorphins that are released by your brain. It releases that oxytocin. It can increase your heart rate and blood pressure. What happens? A good, relaxed feeling. You're more likable, more trustworthy. Let's do this. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Huge piece for your success. And so with that, let's go into the persuasion blunder of the week. Let's follow our theme as far as getting people in the right state using different techniques, especially humor to do that. Now, I've watched a lot of presenters. I'm clocking over 10,000 to monitor public speakers and presenters. That's what I do. Coach them, help them become more persuasive. I go to different seminars to find out what is that perfect persuasive presentation formula. And I have noticed a trend. The first blunder is not watching the presenter before you. Now, maybe no, you're not a presenter, but this can happen in a meeting too, to where the person before you, if you're not there, they tell a great joke, everyone laughs, and you come in and tell the same joke because you just heard it too. <laughs> That's the scientific term. It just doesn't work out. So be careful of that. And I always got caught with that too. I was in Chicago. It was the Chicago Travel Bureau. It was in charge of all the travel. They... Now, luckily, I got there as the speaker in front of me was starting. I was next. You know, Mr. Rara, motivation, self-persuasion. It was a motivational speech, a lot of fun, a lot of humor, right? Humor. And But the topic was child prostitution. It was deep in the statistics of the challenge. And it was like, oh, man, serious, important topic. But if I wouldn't have seen that and I would have started off, hello, how's it going? Here's my joke, right? Start off that way. And they're still in the, the funk, the mindset of the other serious topic, and yeah, I had to shift gears. Everyone stand up, let's stretch, let's do this and change gears a little bit. And for that, heck, I'll take the ninja. But it could have been a huge blunder. And here's a blunder I saw the other day. Don't, don't, don't. Using an old joke. And, and sometimes they can be really good. If they get too old, they do lose their luster, their value. This is true. And I've noticed this trend that what used to be funny is now offensive. With a lot of different jokes and stories, we have to be so careful. And even culture to culture. I have a picture of this really funny, skinny little piggy bank. And I use it as an analogy for the wrong mindset. You know, I can't use that in the Middle East. I have this funny picture of this guy getting, this, getting screwed, which in the United States is this big screw right through this guy's body, which is funny because that's a term for people taking advantage of you. Using that in Italy, they're like, what? We don't get it. We don't understand. Now, this story's been going around a long time. I've heard it many times. It does get the laughter, but it's changed over the years. And not keeping up with that can be a huge blunder. So there's a story of this man who was at work at the phone call. He had won the lottery, $20 billion. He was so excited. He quit his job, decided what kind of car he was going to buy, packed up his office, and he left. And he called his wife. He says, I won $20 million. I'll be home in 15 minutes. Make sure you're packed. And she's like, what do I pack for? Warm, cold? What are, what are we doing? What are we going? She's like, and he says, I don't care where you're going as long as you're gone when I get there. <laughs> now that used to elicit a laugh. <laughs> now it's more of a moan. And I've seen people get really offended with it. Now, an interesting note on that, when you switch the woman won the lottery and called the man. It's a little more funny, not as offensive. Well, you can decide whether it's offensive or not. And I'll put it out there. We're getting way too offended. But, you know, I can see where that could cross the line. Just be careful. Watch that blunder. 
What about humor and advertising? I did notice in a TED Talk, this guy named was Dan Dennett. He's a cognitive scientist. This people are attracted to four things. This is kind of interesting. This is talking about advertising. Cute, sexy. I guess there's difference there. I guess I guess I, I can see the difference there. Sweet and uh, funny. That's why I see in advertising, marketing, Super Bowl commercials. We buy for people we like, people that make us feel good. So we know we see it in marketing and advertising. Another interesting study found that when talking to CFOs, you know, how important is the employee's sense of humor? We've talked about this. So almost 80% said very important to somewhat important. So it builds rapport. It connects with people. It lightens the situation, especially in tense situations. I know using comics, funny videos, and seminars makes all the difference in the world. So what can we do to get people in the right state to use humor the right way? So just like a story, test it out. Test it out on different people. It's all the delivery. Delivery is a big part of that. I would start creating a joke list. You've probably heard me say in the past, you need a story list. This is a joke list. Just get on those joke a day websites. They'll send you an email. Most of them are lame, but every once in a while, you know, maybe once a week, you'll get something. I can use this. Put it into your joke list. Now you have something, but you can also include YouTube videos, comics, other things. Now, careful copyright and other things, but you can start doing those. And always back up. Okay, is this offensive? Bounce it off other people. I was talking about how to catch a monkey the other day, right? It's one of those things, self-persuasion. You hollow out a coconut and they put nuts inside. You tie it to a tree. They reach in, you know, they can't get their hand out and it catches them. Lady, just totally offended that you're killing monkeys. I'm like, I never mentioned killing monkeys. I never mentioned anything. It's just, I know we got to be careful. So make sure it's, it's not offensive, that it's relevant and keep it short. It doesn't have to be that long. Now, here's another one you can add to the list. You can borrow it. If you're not feeling funny, 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 who was it? The comedian Steve Martin, this was way back, said, if you're not feeling funny, just put baloney, like meat in your shoes, and you just feel funny. <laughs> I don't know if I recommend that. I just remember that. I don't know why. But okay, make sure it's not offensive. It's relevant. Keep it short. But you can borrow it, meaning a YouTube video, a comic that we talked about, or have someone else. Tell a joke, joke of the day, joke of the week. Start off the meeting, a little light, a little humor. Maybe halfway through the Zoom, have a joke minute. Have people just type them into chat. It makes a big difference. It changes the mindset, and you become more likable, more trustworthy, and they're easier to persuade. Now, one that works very well is self-deprecating humor. Make fun of yourself. People love that, that you can be embarrassed, that you can have an embarrassing moment. It's okay. When I go to other countries, I learn the first minute in their language. <laughs> you know what? I don't do very well. They laugh at me. I make fun of myself. I tried. There's a connection there. But you can learn to think better on your feet. You can take improv classes where you can learn to be more funny. But they say laughter is the best medicine. There's no doubt about it that it works, that it's very important for you to start mastering. And one of the big things, this is from the comedian Jerry Seinfeld, Remember I'm saying this, that people screw up because they're just trying too hard. Be yourself. It'll come. It'll happen. And don't say, oh, I'm not funny. I can't do this. I can't tell a joke. Yeah, you can. You can work on it. And remember, you could also do this in a story. Give me a personal story. Funny. Smile. And remember, some people laugh on the inside. It's okay. They smile on the inside. That's just how they are. That's okay. And I love what the actor John Cleese said. He says, if I can get you to laugh with me, you like me better. 
which makes you more open to my ideas. And if I can persuade you to laugh at a particular point I make, by laughing at it, you acknowledge its truth. <laughs> it gives you tremendous leverage. It changes the environment. It changes their state. They stay more attention. They're more involved. Your audience is more receptive. I mean, how many benefits do we need here? We had a few more. It reduces that negativity, skepticism and resistance, and it distracts them from overanalyzing or thinking about counter-arguments. So you can learn and master this. It takes a little practice. Try them out. See if they work. Practice the delivery. Practice your pauses. Find the comics on the internet that resonate with you. Because the bottom line is all about their state. You get them in that right state, that right mood, it does affect persuasion, influence, and sales. So again, make sure you're in the right state, you're in the good mood. If you just had a fight, if you're having a challenge, you have a little blood sugar, you're feeling a little, uh, how's that for a word? Uh, get yourself in the right state, get yourself in a better mood. Maybe you should watch something funny. We know that's something that works for Low willpower, when your self-discipline is really low, watch something funny. It does make a big difference. Then we have to understand great persuaders create the right mood. They put people in a happy state. It's no secret when people think happy thoughts, they retrieve happy ideas and experiences from memory. Now on the flip side, we all know when there's a negative mood, we tend to think unhappy thoughts and tend to retrieve negative information from our memories. So if you can influence that mood, put them in a better state, make them happier, get them to laugh, objections and resistance go down, persuasion goes up, likability goes up, trust goes up. That's just how it is. In fact, in one study, they were looking at moods and attitudes and how that influences our responses. So three people sat down at a meal together. Two were in on the study, one who was unknowingly being evaluated on whether or not his companions altered his opinion of the food. The two conducted themselves in a very mean, disagreeable, angry manner. Unpleasant, contentious, the whole bit. On the other occasion, the same individual was brought back to the same place, the same food, but was given different table companions that were fun, interesting, enjoyable, humor. Do you think the food evaluations of the food differed? Hello? The first evaluation was negative. The second was positive across the board. So think big picture. So there you have it. Get better at this. Look at your humor. Can you do stories, jokes, comics, borrow? What can you do? Let's add a little something, something. A big smile, a laughter, something. Let's get those chemicals released. Open the doors to influence. It'll make a huge difference. In fact, this is one of the things I talk about in the perfect persuasive presentation that you can learn these skills because anybody can inform, but are you influential? Anybody can present, but are you persuasive? So do me a favor, go to presentationiq.com. Take your IQ assessment. It's 10 questions. See where you rank as a presenter. Where do you rank in the world of humor and the other areas? It's not there to sugarcoat it. It's there to identify here your strengths. This is what you need to work on. And for doing that, I'll give you the webinar, the perfect persuasive presentation that gives you the formula, the step-by-step -step structure on how to create the perfect persuasive presentation. Get more yeses, be more charismatic, be more influential. And of course, as you know, you'll have the ability to persuade with power.